Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 4 of Fairly Far-Fetched. As I hope you know by now, my name is Kia and I'm joined all the way from Tokyo by my good friend Gavin Pinkney. Hello there. Opening question today. So I was inspired on one of my uh, midweek jaunts through the kind of YouTube, Cerebi.net black hole by this interesting fan theory about Pokemon number 325, Spoink. Listeners at home, <laughs> definitely recommend you Google Spoink. What does Spoink look like? Describe it for our listeners. He's like a little limbless pig uh, yeah. who constantly bounces on his tail. And I think fun fact about Spoink is that if he ever stops bouncing... He dies? He dies. If he ever stops bouncing, he dies. And some Pokemon theorists online have decided that the inspiration for Spoink may come from a biblical phrase. Let me let me just quickly give you that phrase here. So, Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. From Matthew 7, 6. The pearls are supposed to represent wisdom given to the audience who would not appreciate the teachings. And that made me think, if Pokemon were real, right, there'd be loads of weird religious cults. Think like the flying spaghetti monster. There'd be loads yeah, of yeah, like yeah, fairly yeah. normal day-to-day Pokemon that would be heralded as like these deities. So my opening question today, Gav, is if there were a Pokemon that was heralded as like a cult religion... Which Pokemon would it be, and how might that religion work? Now, see, I knew this question was coming, but I didn't know the phrasing, so I've taken it one or two ways. So I've got, I've actually got two Pokemon for you. Oh, great. Now, m- my initial thought was, he wants me to come up with something... There's two options. It could be a cult following based around a Pokemon, uh-huh. or it could be like a Charles Manson type cult. <laughs> I'm assuming, like... <laughs> A Pokemon is the leader of said cult. Lovely. So let's go with that one first. So Charles Manson type cult. Mm. Uh, Pokemon number 760. Beware. This Pokemon. Beware. Yeah, beware. He's like a completely emotionless, giant, stuffed bear type thing. He's pink and brown. Uh, This Pokemon has the habit of hugging its companions. Many Cute. trainers have left this world after their spines were squashed by its hug. Oh my god! Yeah, it's really dark, and I I think if you ever like look at the look at a picture of Beware, like you can see that there's no emotion in that yeah, thing. He's got at just all. dead dead eyes of a killer. The dead eyes of a killer. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I think like a cult based around a Pokemon. I went with Pokemon 593 Jellicent. There's a okay. reason for this because I was thinking like, oh, cult following. Like, oh, this is going to be like almost like mythical Pokemon, but I don't want to touch on like legendaries and stuff like that. 100%. I, I went with Jellicent. Jellicent, figured, so he's like a big jelly Pokemon, jellyfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's male and female versions. Um, and the male one is like, he's got like a crown and a big old mustache. Yeah. The female one is... Um, I mean, gender stereotypes here. One's blue, one's pink. Um, Classic. But anyway, I thought because it was like a ghost and like water hybrid Pokemon and it was like a jellyfish, there'd, there'd clearly be like stories or like fables about these ghost jellyfish that haunt ships and stuff like that. So I, got, I really got into the thinking of like sailor stories. I was like, oh yeah, there's clearly uh, real nice. a, a following over like 
uh, like mermaids almost, but like because these are like ghost jellyfish, I thought that'd be quite interesting to lead a cult. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it a lot. So I've gone in a bit of a different direction. I basically, whenever I come up with one of these opening questions, I always have an idea of in my mind of what it's going to be. And then I start like thinking about it and I realize it's not that funny. So I've just gone for like a ridiculous <laughs> one, right? So I've gone yeah. for Pokemon number 419, water type, Floatzel. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evolution of... of... Bwe- Buizel. Buizel, exactly. He's a uh, a sea weasel. And I thought... So he's basically... This Pokemon has got this... What they call a... Like a float sack around its neck, which looks like a pool noodle. Yeah. And supposedly they're quite good, like, lifeguards and all this kind of stuff. But I thought about, like, the ritual of religion and worship. And I thought, wouldn't it be quite cool if the Church of Floatzel, you basically, like, it's a big body of water... And you all, like, float on pool noodles with Floatzel, <laughs> like, on okay. the surface of the water. And it's this kind of, like, meditative kind of float tank thing. Yeah. And and uh, if you will uh, indulge me, Gavin, I have got a bit of a hymn or a poem here for Floatzel, if you wouldn't mind indulging me. Go on. Float on, brethren. Float to your heart's desire. May your float be fruitful. Float wearing the appropriate attire, which is, of course... The pool noodle. Reject that which sinks. Reject those that rust. Oh, floats all, you floating minx. In your hydro pump, we trust. (laughs) Float not for money. Float not for fame. Float not because it's funny. The clue's in the name. Floats all, floats all, floats all. Your float sack is real. Floats all, floats all, floats all. You floating little sea weasel. Float I love on, it. Brethren. That's so good. Did you write that yourself? I wrote that myself. That is oh. TM. That is IP of Fairly Far-Fetched. Um, anyone else have any good uh, <laughs> Pokemon-related religious hymns or poems? Get in touch. Questions at fairlyfarfetched.com. Yep, perfect. So, so that's that nonsense. Why don't we talk about last time out, Gavin? So um, last time out, episode three, we had a very special guest. I think probably our new best friend in the world, Roman Popatz. And we talked about evolution. What were your highlights from last week? So um, we got into the weeds about evolutionary conditions, what it takes for a Pokemon to evolve. For some reason, we didn't discuss Pokemon number 133, Eevee. And I don't know yeah, why. Too easy. Another thing that we realized... Yeah, maybe too easy. Another thing we realized, Roman is much, much smarter than us. Yeah, we dumb. Yeah, we dumb. Um, and he gave us lots of real world examples, um, things like clownfish leveling up, anglerfish mating. We played a game called Bin, Bank and Build. Um, we answered a question about moving plants and then we realised our podcast was rubbish because Pokemon exist anyway because yeah. Arcanine is a Chinese myth. Yeah, like it exists so, in yeah. China. All we need to do is go exists to China. In China. And there's Pokemon there. It's a fact. Yeah. Liked having a bit of expertise on as well. I think future episodes, I reckon, get a, get a few more guest speakers on. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Because it, it makes us seem much more competent. You're right. So now we've got <laughs> we've got the difficult sequel here, haven't we? Because now it's just back to you and me for today's episode. Yeah, just back to you and me. And I'm a little bit nervous, actually. Yeah, um, same. Because I'm like, oh, gosh, can we do this without Roman? I know, but, you know, strong start, little pokey poem to kick things off, so (laughs) we can only go up from there. So today, we'd like to talk about battling. 
pretty yeah. big staple of the battle of, of the Pokemon worlds. Something we need to get into, right? Some might say it's the foundation on which our lives are built. But is it though? Because the tagline of Pokemon has got to catch them all. Well, is it though? Because what? I mean, Quite. if if <laughs> if you're looking at news these days, it's got to catch some of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not all in Sword and Shield. Got to catch some of them. Just, um, just an amount you, of them. A curated amount yeah, just, of them. Just some, not all. Who cares about all? Yeah. Maybe maybe just a lot of people. So anyway, I think the um, games have got... I mean, it's the... Uh, you. The first thing you do is, is battle in Pokemon. Yeah. You don't catch something. You are given a Pokemon and you uh, uh, battle your rival, generally. Mm. Um, now... Battling normally takes with two trainers, so one, 1v1, one but it does stretch to four, three, that sort of thing. Yeah. Double battles. Um, gym battles are sort of a foundation of, of the, you know, how pro- progression of a Pokemon trainer's yeah, career. Yeah, gym battles are kind of huge, right? Because even in like the, yeah. in the cartoons, the whole storyline is based around Ash or whomever the main protagonist is getting to these Pokemon gyms to defeat these leaders to get badges so that he can become the greatest Pokemon trainer in the world. And I think you're right. Like, yeah. even though the tagline has got to catch them all, it feels like battling is basically the foundation of the whole thing because the people that are heralded as, like, the champions are the ones that battle the best. And it, yeah. in in the games even more so because of the way that, like, the competitive game, it's not about who can catch them all because that's a solo activity. It's more about, like, player versus player battling, right? Yeah, and like the absolutely. strategy and the tactics that are enjoyable in the Pokemon franchise are pretty much entirely from battling, right? Because it's something you can control. Whereas like the breeding, it's a bit like randomized, and you're, it's just a numbers game. Same with catching, really. You're just walking around in circles a lot of the time, playing a numbers game until such a time as the Pokemon comes up that you haven't got yet, and then you throw a ball at it. But even when you catch yeah. Pokemon in the games, you battle them to get them weak so that you can catch them. So even if the main point of the games is to catch, battling is the way that you catch in the first place. Um, And actually the the Pokemon uh, North American championships are currently going on, right? Um, Like my Instagram is just like filled with that at the moment. Um, Mm. So it definitely feels like if in terms of like the cult following of the games, the battling is huge, which is weird because as I'm sure a lot of people have gotten into, it's basically animal fighting right yeah and now i don't think we can discuss pokemon battling without sort of stopping on animal fighting and now in the universe that uh, kira and i are creating we're not saying that like animal fighting is is a good thing um animal fighting exists in our world um but this discussion isn't an excuse to make it legal. Like, I don't agree with it. Yeah, it's not great, is it, animal fighting? Not great. But I also don't necessarily... (laughs) I don't necessarily agree that Pokemon's foundation is built on something like cockfighting or dogfighting. Like, Pokemon Mm. is about partnership between... Uh, a trainer and their Pokemon. Yeah, but I'm sure that animal fighting enthusiasts would have similar kind of arguments right it's about oh no you know you know the animal the animal likes it it's built into their dna they fight anyway um oh yeah you know i have to like grow a bond and it's about like being strategic maybe i don't know i'm, I'm not friends with many yeah but like if 
their animal like ever loses a fight and it's dead like pokemon battling i wouldn't i i don't think is like based on that and now i've got a small snapshot of of an article from a website called snap 30 mm-hmm. from a journalist called frank Inglés in 2016 um and it's called a look into the strange world of japanese beetle fighting okay this simple pastime believe it or not led to the eventual development of none other than the pokemon series of video games ah. so, satoshi T- tajiri creator of pokemon stated in many past interviews that this was something he would do as a child and that the idea of catching training and trading wondrous creatures came to him as a result of this so Super not dissimilar to your sort of first experience from what you discussed in our first episode like yeah, man you had this you know you you were collecting bugs you wanted to pit them against each other people in japan were actually doing it that's ridiculous. How do they get them to actually fight one another? Is it just that it's built into their nature? So you put two in a, a confined space together and they will battle for they'll, supremacy yeah, they'll, of the log. Exactly. They'll just knock each other off the log. And like, and I think if you look at Pokemon with like the anime and, and stuff like that, in the game, right, you're walking along, you lock eyes with a trainer... And then you're in a Pokemon battle. Yeah, you're forced If that to was battle. to happen, you're forced to battle. Like... If that was to happen in real world, who's to stop that fight if it goes too far? Yeah, Mr. Referee just like comes down, like the Pokemon police just run on like, hey, you guys locked eyes, you have to battle now. Your Charmander is has just lip, literally ripped off my Bulbasaur's yeah. face. <laughs> we can't have it. So in the anime, um, they quite regularly have like a third person um yeah in it so like they will referee it so brock would quite regularly do stuff for ash like call up yeah that's a good this shout. pokemon has no more energy to battle we need he's to call to it fight yeah he's unable to fight so this is interesting because i think this is like the first part of our conversation today which is like what are the rules for battling in yeah. our world so i think that first of all let's agree battling does happen in this world that we've created but there would be rules to it, and I think we're we're gonna tu- we're gonna start touching on the kind of like the governance and the law and the crime, which is a, a future episode um, in in not too many episodes time, I don't think. Yeah. But I think there are just some rules of engagement that we probably need to discuss. I think P- Pokemon actually do enjoy battling, so. And I always reference my cat because he's the only kind of real world analogy <laughs> I have for this stuff, right? But he recently yeah. caught his 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 first ever hunt right we rescued this cat when he was like 11 years old he'd never been an outdoor yeah. cat before recently moved into a place with a garden and he absolutely loves stalking his prey and kind of it's his exercise but it's also his entertainment and mm. the other week he actually managed to catch a bird and he brought it in he looked very um he was very kind of like gingerly kind of going about the flat a bit embarrassed by it but also he was like cock of the walk for the rest of the day like he absolutely fucking loved it (laughs) so like i there is something about like animals in the wild naturally battle for supremacy they battle for food they battle for um the right to be kind of like the patriarch or the matriarch the leader yeah the the alpha male yeah or the alpha female yeah so there are actually huge um societal and um kind of biological factors that mean that the concept of battling of fighting in the wild is actually something that is um 
it's it's something that they want to do because they get something out of it, which means that it's just like with anything else in the world, if there's something that enables our survival or our ability to reproduce, it releases hormones that make us feel good. Yeah, and like I said earlier, like animal fighting exists and it's not an excuse to make it legal. Like I'm in, in this universe that we've got Pokemon fighting exists and it probably exists in a legal and friendly, happy way, but there will still probably be the CD underbelly of Pokemon fighting because we're not creating a world. We're not creating a world that like doesn't have crime. Like we're not, this isn't a utopia the pokemon universe is definitely not a utopia look at team rocket but it's like we're we're trying to like bring this world into what we have now and definitely there's going to be the type of people that are going to run underground fights where like no one calls a pokemon death and like unfortunately squirtle's gone to the lavender town graveyard (laughs) (laughs) yeah to become a ghastly or something yeah interesting (laughs) may we perhaps land on so first rule is pokemon battles exist i wonder if so in our world right fighting in the streets is a crime and like Mm. forcing animals to fight is also a crime but we know there are some real world examples like the you know kids getting the beetles or whatever which is like okay so for example ufc Two humans okay. absolutely beating the living shit out of each other, right? It is absolutely mm-hmm. brutal. And at some point, that probably progressed from, like, boxing. And then they went, okay, well, let's make it really, really, you know... Let's take the gloves like, off. Exactly. Literally take the gloves off. No holds barred. And they start doing this thing called UFC, which at some point, I imagine, started as, like, an underground kind of thing that they then built enough rules and regulations around to legalise it. But if you saw mm. two people in the park down the street like having a cage fight, you'd call the police. So I wonder if in our world, you can't, you're only allowed to battle in designated areas. I would say not in a city, like not in a city and Pokemon gyms need to evolve from just being a place where you earn a badge to a place where you can go and have a Pokemon battle with your neighbor. You can't just like go, you can't just go round to Jimmy's house down the street and go, right, I'm going to throw out my Chikorita and you're going to throw out your Totodile and we're just going to fight in your bedroom. That's not going to happen. That's a dead I, house. I love it because... Yeah. So so the rule, so maybe there's two two more rules here, right? First rule is you're only allowed to battle in designated spaces. And that means not like just on kind of public property, but also like not just in your own home because there has to be some regulation around it. Because the third rule would be Pokemon aren't allowed to die in a Pokemon battle. Yeah. I think, um, as well as gyms, you've probably got poker parks, like yep. a park where you can go, like have a friendly Pokemon battle. Yeah. But you've got to wait for, um, like one of your friends to referee it or something like that. Or like bouldering and climbing, you've you've got to like become certified to belay someone. You've got to become really nice. certified to be a Pokemon referee. Yeah, so man. Because no you can one become dies. like, a, yeah, right. Because you can become a football referee fairly easily ish right i mean our mate jim is like an fa like certified football referee which means that he could go down to like any saturday or sunday league football for it to like count towards an official league you have to have an fa officiate like official referee right at certain levels so is that just the same thing any of us can become certified in 
um, regulating Pokemon battles. Yeah. So you can battle only in designated areas, and there yeah. has to be... And maybe it's like, you know, you could have five battles going on in one room with just one person kind of circulate, circulating and just making sure that the rules are being adhered to. Yeah, but... Uh, so Pokemon famously, as well... Um, Everything starts at the age of 10. With our Pokemon referee, I'm probably going to give an age limit of 16. So I don't want to trust a 10-year-old with my Bulbasaur's life. So 16 plus, you can become an official Pokemon referee. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, so 16 plus, you become a Pokemon referee. You're only allowed to battle in designated spaces. And that does also mean just not not being able to just battle like in your own home as well. Like, because it has to be officiated. So private property doesn't give you the leeway to just have battles right yeah absolutely and i think your neighbor could make a phone call to the the poker police and go look i know that they're having a poker battle next door really nice and it'll be like child protection services pokey protection services over straight away they've lost their they've lost their pokemon license which is also another thing that needs to exist yes to become a Pokemon trainer. Now, I want to move away um, very quickly from the laws and governance because we, yep. we can probably discuss that at, at, at length. Now, what I'd like to very quickly get into is gym badges. Yeah, go on. Gym battles against a gym leader and getting a badge for it would, in the same way in the games, like prove that like you have trained your Pokemon to a su- sufficient level. And they, you know, it's enough to progress onto the next gym. Or do gyms exist in that way at all? Like, is it just a one gym per, like, district? And that gym leader has lots of different Pokemon and sends out the ones that are appropriate for your level. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Because that's what's weird, right? Is that you get these Pokemon gym leaders who are all powerful and they throw out, like, a level Hmm. 16 Geodude. And you're like, well, that's absolute madness like isn't it so lucky that i just managed to progress through at appropriate level so uh, that's a really good shout so gym leaders actually so you battle gym leaders Mm. in the games and in the anime in order to gain a badge when you gain all the badges of a region you can then go into like the pokemon league right which yeah all, all needs a bit of work i think in our world yeah i kind of see this as again using football as the kind of analogous sport here you've got You've got Premier League football, which is watched by millions all over the world. Then you've got like the four leagues below it. Then you've got kind of like non-league football and then you've got like Sunday League football. But they can all it all works within one ecosystem. So yeah. if you you know do well enough in non-league football, you can eventually get to league football and it's like a tiered system. So maybe gym leaders like you you can go to a Pokemon gym and battle with your friends, which allows you to just like get better at it. Um, level your Pokemon up, learn new moves, which is something we'll come on to in a second, and like train them to be better fighters in a yeah. contained and licensed environment. But maybe like I don't know, every month or so, the gym leader puts on like a day where like all comers can kind of come and try and battle him for like essentially like you know white belt, yellow belt, black belt kind of situation. That's perfect. That's yeah that's the best way of doing it like on this day we're doing free runs for you you're battling and you can you can challenge me for your version of this you know boulder badge you know you you may have 
seven other badges from this region. So I'm going to send out the equivalent of what would be badge eight Pokemon on this day for you to get your black belt. I love it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's nice. So the gym leader would have like a range of Pokemon of all different levels. So like, you know, maybe it's, you know, the first Saturday of every month is for like up to level 20. You know, it's like the yellow belt one. And then it's like a green belt one the second Saturday, something like that. So like I would rock along and be like, I think I'm ready for a green belt now. And maybe you'd go along and you'd have official battles with other, actually just other trainers as well. So maybe it's more like a point system. So if you think about like Magic the Gathering, um, which is a trading card game made by Wizards of the Coast owned by Hasbro, um, you would battle, you can just have like games against people, right? And if you go to like Friday Night Magic, you just fight cards against each other. But a Friday Night, uh, Friday Night Magic, you also get points which go on like your player cards, and then if you get a certain amount of points, you can then enter like the big tournaments. So maybe that's the yeah. way you do it. You go along to these like Saturday gym thingies and it get, gains you points to progress through a leveling system for your own like trainer cards. When you get yeah. to a certain amount, you then every year, let's say, there's like what's happening right now in North America, which is the North American Pokemon Global Championships. You could enter that if you have a certain amount of points and the requisite level badge, uh, sorry, belt. Yeah. And one more thing, um, like adding on to that and before we go for a break, I would say like there's a lot more people doing it. Like obviously it's very difficult to become a professional footballer, but Pokemon in our universe is ingrained. Like it's something that everyone has. Everyone has Pokemon. Everyone wants Mm. to be a Pokemon trainer or not everyone wants to be a Pokemon trainer, but like it's, that's like a real profession that you, you could be, you could have. And because of that, it's more likely, you know, that more people are doing it, that more people are making money from it and more people are like becoming the superstars. A hundred percent. Yeah. Think about how you make money these days. Even like, again, if you tune into like, so Pokemon, um, like Instagram or whatever, like they've got their Twitch link up at the moment. You can actually watch these um, trainers battling their, you know, Nintendo handheld console Pokemon against each other, right? And yeah. they will have sponsorships. Um, they'll have their own Twitch pages, YouTube pages, Instagram pages, which they've monetized. So yeah. you you start at quite a grassroots level. You have your Pokemon. You start to gain a bit of a following. You progress through the leveling system by going to these um, gym battles on uh, I've got, you know, every other Sunday. Uh, yeah, I've got two badges already. Send out your three badge Pokemon. Exactly. You then get the three badges. You can then go to these annual or like you know one bi-yearly kind of pokemon league battles the best of the best you're streaming it in all your kind of personal social channels and making money off that but then if you get you've good got enough, a following exactly you've got a following if you get good enough and you've got enough of a following actually one people you'll get sponsored for it and then two there's prize money for winning um these like big televised battles right because they're the the TV companies uh, or, or, you know, the social media platforms are going to want to make money off of streaming this stuff to viewers and they'll sell advertising space, which means that they can put up a pot of money to the Pokemon Federation or whoever it is to give to the winners of these. It's just like playing any other sport, right? Yeah, it's perfect. It's like uh, our universe is equivalent to esports. I think we've done it. I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, cool. All right. Well, so yeah. just, just, just just to recap before we have a quick break, you you could you get 
Pokemon referees, you have to be 16 years or older or something like that. You take a certain amount of online courses and you become an official referee. You can only <laughs> battle Pokemon um, if there is an official Pokemon Federation licensed referee present, which means you have to do it in certain places. And again, these the, the businesses can make money off of getting a license and having a referee in-house, which is something we can get onto later in like Poke Business. Um, trainers have to have a license on that license, they have like a kind of a point system. So when you go to these official battles every week or whatever it is, you gain points. You gain more points if you beat gym leaders. Progress through a leveling system in order to get on TV or whatever and make money off of battling full time. Yeah. And Pokemon Perfect. can't be killed, crucially. Well, they can. We'll come on to that later. Maybe not today, but Pokemon can be killed, but we don't want them to be in a Pokemon battle. Like, it's well, not legal. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's illegal. Nice. Good Yeah. Good jumping off point for a future episode. All right. Well, why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, I would like us to get into uh, Pokemon moves. So obviously battling, we talked about the kind of mechanics and the rules around it, but the battling itself... You've got Pokemon that scratch each other. They've got Fire Blast. They've got all these crazy moves. I'd like to try and make it a bit more real, decide on what we're going to allow and what we're not going to allow, talk about different ways of learning moves, and then maybe just get onto some moves of note before question from a listener. Sound good? That sounds great. See you after the break. Welcome back, listeners, to this episode on battles. Uh, before the break, we got into some of the rules of engagement, and we promised now that we'd get into the moves, how Pokemon actually fight against each other. I'd like to start off with some basics, go into like how Pokemon learn new moves, and then just maybe just go into some moves of note uh, for the end. Does that sound good to you, Gavin? That sounds great. All right, so the basics are obvious, right? When you first get Pokemon in the game, they know all these really simple physical moves... So, like, scratch, bite, tackle. They're basically doing what you would imagine animals to do, right? Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen, like, (laughs) a dog tackle anyone, but sure. (laughs) I guarantee if you type into YouTube, dog tackle. Dog tackles only. (laughs) Exactly. It'll be a thing. (laughs) But they have the ability to do it, right? It's just running at speed and kind of headbutting or whatever. Yeah. So the physical ones feel like they're quite easy to explain, but it's the what they call the special moves that are just something that's slightly more interesting that I think it would be worth us just kind of rounding out for our, for our listeners. So things like Water Gun, so where the Squirtle just magically just ha- has a jet of water come from its mouth, which seems pretty much infinite most of the time. Yeah, like a fire hose. Exactly, or like a Charmander can breathe fire. Grass moves are probably a bit easier to explain, like just kind of like throwing leaves around. Are they? Because a Bulbasaur like doesn't have an endless supply of leaves. <laughs> Can you raise right. a leaf? Like where do those leaves come from? He is a bulb. He's an onion. Like there's like, where <laughs> where are the leaves coming from? Are they coming from inside it? Of course they come from inside it, just like his vines do. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's conceivable that a Bulbasaur would have vines in its bulb, right? Yeah. So and maybe it it's got a, them, a fair amount of leaves muscles. in there. Yeah, maybe yeah. it uses the vines to throw the leaf. Yeah, so elemental attacks, they're, they're fine. They're quite easy to explain if we can suspend our disbelief a little bit and imagine that a Charmander's got a flame sack inside it. Exactly. Potentially 
but I'd potentially say a finite resource because I don't want like a Charizard breathing fire over King's Landing, you know, endlessly. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, fine. I think the average listener of this podcast has probably seen uh, towards the end of Game of Thrones. So if you look at any like uh, Pokemon anatomy, like Instagrams. So for example, you you and me, like we've got a favorite, which is Limpaw, isn't it? At Lim, L-I-M-B-P-A-W on Instagram. Yeah, they are an artist who takes the, the Pokemon sprite and then draws like the skeleton of and bases bases that skeleton on real world examples. So there's some really really good Agreed, like Dugtrio like actually having like claws beneath the ground because it is a you know a mole as opposed to it just being this weird kind of penis cylinder. <laughs> so so and what I really like about that is like sometimes other like poke anatomists shall we call them describe like where the for example, in a Charmander, where the flammable liquid would come from and how it ignites kind of going through, up through its kind of mouth, throat and through there, and then it kind of ignites just before it comes out. But essentially what they're doing is vomiting flammable liquids. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's just igniting like in their throat or something. Yeah, and I mean, let's hope that a Squirtle is ejecting water and not some other bodily fluid. But maybe you would. Maybe it does water gun. Maybe. And then just like, yeah. it's like soup comes out as well. And just like, oh, it's kibble starts <laughs> flying out with it as well. It's just like, oh, sorry, wrong pipe. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so elemental moves, yeah, they exist. Physical moves, like, that's pretty easy to explain. Simple One enough. thing I'd want to stress is that we probably don't have the huge amount of variance in moves. So, like, you yeah, probably I totally have... Agree, man. And my example of this is Bubble and Bubble Beam. Yeah. So uh, water Pokemon generally learn Bubble and maybe they learn Bubble Beam later on. Bubble Beam is like a strong jet of bubbles. Now, what does that mean? Like in our Pokemon universe, does it mean like the Pokemon just tries a bit harder? Exactly. (laughs) And and ejects them at a faster rate. So I think it's probably just one one stable move, isn't it? 100% agree. I think we could collapse down a lot of these moves just into like different strengths of the same move so actually i I reckon you're right like not all bubbles are the same and they might all look really different but there's not a different there's not a different move called bubble beam your charmander's ember will be your charizard's flamethrower eventually same thing so yeah combine those things don't don't have lots and lots of different things that's a nice Um, point also the idea of telling your Pokemon to dodge and block, probably not Pokemon moves per se, but like, I don't think we're, I don't think our Pokemon have the, you know, knowledge of four moves at a time and we'll, we'll wait for the other person to give an instruction. I think it's probably much more fluid and you're like, Pikachu, block that shit. No, dodge it. Yeah, that sort of stuff. I agree. And that's what I like about the TV series is that there's a lot more of, Watch out, there's a move coming. Dodge, because the train is much more involved in it. Whereas in the game, it's just you've got a chance. You've got a numerical statistical chance of dodging a move and you just yeah. hope for the best. Yeah, it might miss. It might not. You can't tell it to. I agree. So then it, that makes the trainer much more involved in it and much more. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a, a boxing coach or whatever, you know, might be. I, I, I'm not a boxer, but, you know giving tactical advice from the sidelines r- rather than just mm. hoping for the fucking best 
And you're right. So you touched yeah. on in the games, generally speaking, Pokemon can only know four moves because they've only got four available slots. And that's just a way of keeping it gamified, right? And keeping it fair. You can't have your Pokemon having access to everything in a game. But yeah. maybe in real life, you probably do have a library of different moves because there's no like meta that you need to stick to. Exactly. Totally agree. We've got other things like to discuss. So like things like psychic and oh, psychics. Um, they're Mad. tricky. Like, how do you explain them? <sighs> if only it were that simple, Gav. I mean, some you might believe that some people do have kind of psychic or telekinetic abilities, but there's no scientific evidence for that necessarily. Again, I'm, I wonder if yeah. we did have someone else on there to go, oh, actually, there is this example of someone that can, <laughs> someone can do something with its mind. But for, for us laymen, no particular precedent um available for that uh listeners by the way if you do have anything that can explain psychic pokemon would you do us a favor and email us in questions at fairly farfetched.com uh without the e in farfetched um and also just you know jump jump onto twitter instagram something like that give us something to talk about because i i find psychic really really difficult to explain and also just massively overpowered because if you can just control the movement of things like flamethrower right i'm just gonna throw it back at you yeah, I mean, it's got to be some sort of, like, a projection of energy that they've just decided yeah. is, is psychic or some, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so moving on, because I feel like we may not be qualified to wade through that mess. Yeah, well, what about learning new moves, though? Because I think that's quite interesting. So in, in the games, as Pokemon progress and battle more, they learn moves, right? And I think that it, it's, again... It has to be quantifiable in the game. So you get to level 16, you learn Fine Whip or whatever it is, right? And it wouldn't be that um, controllable in real life. I actually think it's much more like Pokemon would learn moves by kind of just developing what they're doing already. So a bit like Bubble into Bubble Beam. At first of all, they might just be kind of like throwing out these bubbles a bit willy-nilly and then they start really like refining it. Or they might learn through because what's interesting is they learn they get experience points through battling and that's a a way of explaining it in the games but in real life basically you'd battle you'd see other pokemon do certain things and you go oh i wonder if i could develop that myself maybe i would make it into a water pulse rather than a water gun or something like that yeah and what is leveling up anyway in in our exactly in our universe like it's not it's just experience isn't it it's like yeah. gaining experience you don't know your real pokemon's like value of experience You're, oh it's got it's it's had nine thousand experience points in its lifetime that's just not going to happen it's going to be a case of figuring out something new that works so Agreed. it's like a pokemon that's experienced experiencing new things go oh hold on a second if i just tried this then it works in a different way it's not tied to a level it's just tied to experience which makes me which i think also gives explanation for a couple of other things first of all i actually think that pokemon might like invent their own moves a little bit as well because every move depending on the person who did it would look slightly different right so like Mm. I, I don't know, like a, a certain type of turn in football could be adapted or a certain type of skill could be adapted depending on the person. So I think that there is a bit of like kind of comboing moves that you would shout out a a command to your Pokemon in battle and it would kind of execute maybe like two or three of these moves at once. So it might kind of like vine whip and scratch at the same time or kind of grab it in closer and then razor leaf it from close range. There's a lot more like customization of moves, I think, that would happen in uh, the real world. And the other thing is, so in the 
games, you've got these things called uh, TMs, which are technical machines. Uh, do you want to explain yeah. TMs? TMs then, technical machines. Now, yeah. in the video games, their icon is a CD or a DVD. Yes. So in my head, I potentially think the idea was that they're like an instructional video. So maybe it's a case of showing your Pokemon like a, a move, like in the same way that we're discussing Pokemon experiences. It's like, hey, uh, Charmander, check out what this other Charmander can do. And I'm really yeah, sorry, I keep using Charmander as his own. But yeah, Buizel. check out this. Yeah, check check out this Buizel online, Buizel. <laughs> he's doing some sweet stuff with like his tail. Do you think you can try that? But it's it's like um like doing yoga at home, like watching like a Joe Wicks or something, and learning how to do like different exercises. Or like from my world, when I used to do like a bit of like playing with like yo yos and juggling, I would watch other people online do tutorials of how to do certain tricks on a yo yo. So I think you would do the same thing. You'd be like going through YouTube and you see like, oh, you know, uh, Bwizzle, why don't you check out this video of this other Bwizzle doing this really interesting thing? And then you'd kind of like learn it together. And again, that then I think puts more onus on you as a trainer because trainers are a bit weird. You just kind of like put Pokemon out there. They get experience points no matter what. They learn moves accidentally and you're really happy. But in real world, I reckon the trainers are much more like, it, you know they're in their room with them they're going oh it's not quite right like whip it a bit more or no you need to like yeah. target like look here when you're targeting that kind of thing and the next time you go down to poker park to battle your friends you go hey Buizel, why don't you try that thing that we were we were looking at online nice and you'd refine the move every time which is why the move would probably get more powerful the more you use it exactly so tms probably don't exist and it's just a case it's an instructional video on the internet love it really good all right uh moves of note all right. What have um, you got? I've got quite a few, so I'm going to try and select the best ones. Mm. Dark Void. Ooh, Opposing okay. Pokemon are dragged into a world of total darkness that makes them sleep. Oh my god. Now, to me, that's just a Pokemon making another Pokemon fall asleep. They're not dragging them anywhere. Yeah, how would you explain it? That's that's probably hypnosis, isn't it, really? Yeah. In one thing. I think hypnosis is fine, actually, by the way. Like, in terms of, hey, uh, wait a minute now, psychic moves. Like, maybe it is a bit more about, like, um, neurolinguistic programming. Like, look, maybe it's more like NLP, hypnosis. Like, because actually, think about, like, Darren Brown. He is able to do things to other people and get other people to like do what he he can he does he controls their minds through very the power simple nudges. suggestion exactly so yeah okay psychic pokemon are basically experts in nlp hypnosis um other types of mind control that is a, a bit more palatable for w- what we know to be possible and probable in the real world yeah perfect that's great wonderful explained embargo embargo this move prevents this move prevents the target from using its held item. Its trainer is also prevented from using items on it. Right. In so, our real world, can yeah. a Pokemon stop me from helping my Pokemon? I mean, what type of move is Embargo? Can I please ask? Yeah, it is a dark type move. So it's like dark suggestion, isn't it? So it's like you are affected by that same thing, I guess. Exactly. And you're and you're almost maybe like you're intimidated or maybe, yeah, the power of suggestion has compelled you to think, no, this isn't the right time to use that potion. And then your Pokemon mm. faints and you go, oh, bloody hell, I got embargoed that, you know, I don't know, that dark That's what happened. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Frenzy plant. 
frenzied plant. Frenzy plant. Okay. The user slams the target with an enormous tree. The user can't move next to it. Where's the tree come from? <laughs> slams with an enormous tree. Yeah. Just picks up a tree. User can't move next turn. Oh. Slams it with a tree. Now, I guess that's easy to explain. I think it's but okay, yeah. Only only easy to explain if you're in a poker park. But that makes that I think that also lands a really important point, right? So mm. in the original games, like you chuck out a goldine and it would just be able to battle on like grass, which I just think's utter madness. And like a whale lord, mm. for example, would have to be in a body of water for at least a certain amount of time, right? So yeah. I think that Pokemon battles would be much more um much more targeted. For example, a, a Charmander would be absolutely buggered in a water gym because it wouldn't it it wouldn't be able to go under under the water. It would just pass oh, yeah. out or There's no perhaps way. even die. If you think about rock throw as a move, let's say like a Rhyperior or something would actually be better off in a, in an environment where there are loads of rocks around because it can control those rocks. I mean, by control, by the way, I mean literally lifting it up and throwing it. So actually, I think. Uh, environment becomes much more of a important part of this and again if you think about any grass type pokemon let's use like rosalia for example she might be able to control the kind of trees or get leaves and kind of like um uh, basically ammunition from her environment but if she was in a barren place she probably wouldn't be able to battle that well she'd have to use a completely different set of moves yeah and pokemon are probably a lot rarer because of this as well like i can't imagine um young timmy has a waylord yeah it's probably quite unique to sailors that are out in the ocean i agree that's a really interesting point anymore cosmic power cosmic power that i mean that sounds ridiculous talk us for it the user absorbs a mystical power from space to raise its defense and Great. special defense stats. nice yeah just a mystical power from space mate don't worry about just it just a mystical power from space i think with like with these with pokemon moves that are already established we need to either suspend our disbelief or say rubbish that can't rubbish exist. bin it last few sludge sludge bomb yeah unsanitary sludge is hurled at the target then this may also poison the target sure yeah smog the target is attacked with a discharge of filthy gases <laughs> this may also poison the target <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's so gross coughing you know uh grimer yeah rubbish yeah they are literally just throwing shit yeah li- but but there's precedent for that monkeys throw shit at each other perfect Perfect. It is this. Keep it. All right. So, moves of note. I started looking through just like a load of lists of moves. And then I found uh, an article online by a guy called Jake Young on dorkley.com from a couple of years ago. Um, And it took me down an interesting and dark road, which is some Pokemon moves sound dirty as fuck. So... Oh, gosh. (laughs) I think I've read this article. uh, I'm going to throw some at you. Um... (laughs) Number one, yeah. going strong, gunk shot. <laughs> Stop it. Discharge. <laughs> yeah. Swallow. Yeah. String shot. Gross. <laughs> really graphic. Um, this is, I, I like this one. <laughs> Helping hand. <laughs> um, heavy slam. <laughs> You're turning, no, sorry. Sorry, Harden. you're turning something that is <laughs> completely innocent. <laughs> All right, 
completely innocent and you're just taking... No, I'm not having that. It's not innocent at all. Milk drink. That's absolutely disgusting. I'm never going to be able to mark this podcast as clean. (laughs) All right, here's a couple more. Uh, Quiver dance. (laughs) I've had had enough. (laughs) Final one. Rock polish. (laughs) You've enjoyed this too much. <laughs> oh, rock polish is too good. They knew what they were doing when they wrote these. What double team? That's a classic. Double team. Oh man. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. But basically, we waited this whole episode to. to you just, you just wanted to. <laughs> I was crying when I was reading that article, man. So good. Uh, mm. Anyone else with any uh, dirty Pokemon names? Um, you know where to get in contact. It's uh, questions <laughs> oh, at fairlyfarfetched.com. Let's open up that that bag of worms. Um, yeah. That's the expression. Uh, so, okay. Sp- speaking <laughs> of questions at fairlyfarfetched.com, uh, I think it's about time we wrapped up with a question from one of our listeners or probably close friends. Yeah, this. I what mean, this is a close friend, isn't it? Um, right, question from Jack, um, who, he was the guy that gave us the Alola Meowth sort of tidbit last time. Oh yeah, we should uh, plug his game, by the way, that he's got going yeah. on at the moment. Absolutely, you can find Jack at Mousehole Press on Instagram and Twitter. He's currently the number one game on Itch.io. Yeah, I think I that's think. it, yeah. Um, it's called The Artifact. It's a tabletop RPG. Anyway, his question we got a, a few weeks ago is very interesting. What happened in your timelines 1996 when Red and Blue were released? Were they exactly the same as we know them in our timeline? If so, would they even have been successful? How did Nintendo fare without one of their biggest hitters? Where do nerds buy their plushies when they visit uh, Tokyo? There's a simple answer to this. There's really, you know, I've only just thought about it as you started speaking. Football is a huge franchise, right? It exists. People play football. We go and watch football, but everyone also plays FIFA, right? And actually, EA, uh, yeah. one of their biggest grossing games is FIFA because you have to buy a new one every year because you've got new teams, uh, new players, new kind of permutations of, of the game, new rules as well. Um, you've got new kits. You've got so many things. And then they've, they've changed their business model so it's not just about selling a triple a game for 50 quid every year you now also have a subscription service to that game um there are different game modes that you can only do um by paying per month so like ultimate team for example you get like packs of players which is like closed packs of cards essentially so i actually think if anything it would be just as huge if not even bigger because pokemon actually exists it's much more the part of the everyday kind of like lexicon and mentality and a company yep. like EA, or in this case Nintendo, would go, all right, now we're going to gamify that thing. And it also means that you can battle yep. wherever and whenever you want, getting around some of our rules from earlier. Po- po- Pokemon is football manager, yeah, but Pokemon exactly. manager. It may even look exactly the same. And Could do. You, you, it may even just be like a training exercise or something like that. And in, and in terms of plushies, they're probably not just uh, restricted to, you know, Tokyo Pokemon centers because Pokemon exist every place ever 100%. has probably got a, a bootleg version of your pokemon because nintendo don't own pokemon anymore they just have the rights to making a game about them i totally agree and like think again football shirts right like mm. you you every year you buy the new football shirt because the design has changed but also you get the, like the player name on the back 
So you'd be getting like merchandise would be even bigger, which is interesting because I think I sent this to you this yeah. week, right, Gav? I was so surprised by this, but the highest grossing media franchise of all time, as it currently stands, is Pokemon. That's mad. Uh, yeah, I was flabbergasted by that because I was like, Jesus, like, has it really earned that much money? So if you think that that's at 90 billion estimated total revenue, mm. right, in dollars. Absolutely insane. It would be even yeah. bigger if Pokemon actually existed. Because if you compare Pokemon to, for example, like football, I don't know how, I mean, it's got to be, in terms of total revenue, football has been around for much longer, of course, but there's so many different ways in on it and it depends how you classify yeah. revenue, but it would be a much bigger... Um, market i guess it'd be a much bigger um type type of business so i i actually think yeah. that if anything 1996 red and blue whatever you want to call it that probably doesn't still exist it probably didn't exist exactly like that and it probably wasn't called red and blue but i reckon actually every year you'd be getting um pokemon games and you'd have a different range of pokemon games it was, you'd have it was probably called it was probably called pokemon 96 100%. followed by pokemon world cup 98 <laughs> I imagine so. And instead of David Ginolar on the front, you just have like Ash Ketchum or something. You've got me, yeah. famous Pokemon trainer, <laughs> Gavin Pinkney, on the back of your shirt. <laughs> so that's the answer, right? Yeah, that's the there answer. There you go, Jack. Perfect. Right. There's one thing I would like to... Oh yeah, new uh, feature alert. With. Started last week. Yeah, so in the same vein as last week, it was just a, a Pokedex entry this week. I'm going to go with another one. It's just one Pokedex entry. And it's just, I don't really want to discuss it. I just want to leave you with this uh, this thought. Magcargo's body temperature is approximately 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Water is vaporized on contact. If this Pokemon is caught in the rain, the raindrops instantly turn into steam, cloaking the area in a thick fog. Now, 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit is 9,982 degrees centigrade or Celsius. The sun... (laughs) 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 The (laughs) Do you see where I'm going? I think I do. Um, The sun is 5,505 degrees centigrade or Celsius. That's 9,900... And my 41 God. Fahrenheit. Now, my the last bit of my note just says, yeah, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Matt Cargo's like Literally hotter, hotter than, than the sun. sun. Well, with that humbling, uh, I'm going to call it Gavin's final thoughts. Mad Cargo's hotter than the sun. Does raise interesting questions for future episodes, though, around how Pokemon can help with things like sustainability, you know, mm. which I think is a good episode for the future. I, I would really like to soon get into an episode around, like, crime and governance, because it feels like we're kind of touching on those areas. I wonder if we just need to, like, nail down what are the laws, what are the rules? Yeah, I think we need to go there next. So law and governance next time, I think. Lovely. Well, listeners, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us again for episode four of Fairly Far Fetched. Um, Gavin, do you want to just give them those social channels again and maybe explain the no e thing better than I always do? Yeah, of course. You can find us at questions at fairlyfarfetched.com and you can find us uh, on Twitter at fairlyfarfetched and on Instagram at fairlyfarfetched. You can also visit our website fairlyfarfetched.com. Now, 
that's all far-fetched without the E on the end. So the uh, the H without the apostrophe, without the E, H-D. Thank you. I think Thank that's the very best much, way of doing it. Very helpful. All right. Uh, lovely spending time with you again, mate. Good chat today. Yeah, and, it's um, been a lovely chat. As always, and I'll see you and our listeners in a couple of weeks' time for episode five of Fairly Far-Fetched. It's thank you and goodbye from me, and thank you and goodbye from Gavin Pinkney. Thank you and goodbye. Laters. Laters.